That's exactly who we are. We're the children of God. You know, for the last nine weeks, we talked about the spiritual gifts. One of the spiritual gifts is called the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, we learned that the spiritual gift of prophecy that is so stated and given to us in the New Testament is for edifying the church to help and to serve others. So 1 Corinthians 14, 3, 4 clearly says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Now today we're going to start a new series, and that's called Messianic Prophecy. You say, well, what's Messianic Prophecy as compared to spiritual gift of a prophecy? They are fundamentally different. And I hope that we have uh, helped you to clarify the true meaning of a spiritual gift that given to us through the Holy Spirit in New Testament. It's not to boast. It's not to foretell what is going to happen. The spiritual gift that's given to us through the Holy Spirit is for us to use that gift to edify the church, to edify each other, to help, encourage, to give comfort. That's what it's for. But then what is the difference between the two? The spiritual gifts are given to us in the New Testament, again, to edify each other. The messianic prophecy are given by the prophets of the Old Testament who spoke the authoritative word of God. What does that mean? It means that words are recorded in our Bible. Their prophecy are the actual words spoken by God. Too often times we kind of interchange between the two. We know the messianic prophecy, it's a, it's a statement, it's words that God spoke to prophets. They became living word. And then when we talk about spiritual gift of prophecy, we think that the same kind of thing. Maybe God is telling that particular person with a gift to tell about the future. It's not so. What is the difference? The spiritual gift given to us are given to us through the Holy Spirit just to edify one another. So I keep emphasizing it's to edify one another. The Messianic prophecy are given to us by God to foretell what? Foretell what? How good you're going to be? That you're going to enter into some special school or get into some Special job? No. Messianic prophecy are given to us by God to foretell the coming of Christ. Nothing else is in there. Coming of the Christ. So in this series, we'll be talking about or looking into many different aspects of Messianic prophecy. That includes his lineage, his birth, his deity, his ministry, how he was mistreated, misunderstood, his crucifixion, salvation, and his ascension. All of this that took place in the New Testament 
were foretold, every single one of them, in many different places in the scripture, foretold by prophets as they have heard from God. And it became the actual living word in the Bible. So just about every aspect of Jesus were foretold in the Old Testament. And they were fulfilled in the New Testament. That's what the prophecy is. It was foretold, Old Testament, thousands of years ago and became real. It was fulfilled in the New Testament. That's what we're going to look at and find how we can find strength and encouragement and the comfort from all this. Because ultimately, that's what we are supposed to do. So one good example is this. We, everybody knows that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's a fact. That's, in the, that's a history. That's a fact. That's in the New Testament. It was fulfilled. But how is it mentioned 700 years before Christ that this is going to happen? That Christ will be born in Bethlehem. So if you look at Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Now, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, is like south of Bethlehem. Like, it's the same as saying Bethlehem of Judah. It's the south. It's like saying Philadelphia. Well, South Philadelphia. Philadelphia, south. That's exactly what it means. It's the exact location where Jesus was born was foretold by God through prophet 700 before Christ was born. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Distant past from long, long time ago. From when? From the Beginning. So we will look at his lineage, his genealogy as foretold in the Bible. But before we do that, in a modern, we need to kind of understand where we stand with this so called genealogy and lineage, especially us with Americans. We don't give much importance to our heritage, perhaps because we came here, most of the immigrants, two, three hundred years ago, from other places. And so we kind of lost our heritage. In other words, in a good way is that anybody can become somebody in this country. Even if you're not born into a royal family, you could become somebody in this country. Anybody can become the president of the United States. And fortunately or unfortunately, many Americans don't even know <clears throat> the names of their great-great-grandparents. Or even where they came from. However, genealogy, lineage, is extremely, extremely important to Jewish culture. For that matter, it's important to the rest most of the rest of the countries in the world. 
your ancestor matter, and your family line matters. Yesterday, Janice and I went to uh, Einstein Hospital uh, Gala. I'm a board member there, so I'm obligated to go once a year to just be with him. And uh, I know the routine in the beginning, you know, you eat, you do all that kind of stuff, and greed, networking, everything. And then there was sort of like a kind of, a, you know, a kind of party going on. And in the beginning, they sing like peop- songs from 50s, because a lot of older people there, the song from 60s. And they moved into 70s, and then 80s. And when that's all done, always, every year, then they begin to uh, play Jewish songs. And, you know, every time there's a Jewish uh, music is played, and all these people go, they kind of become nuts. You know, they get all in the flow. And one of the songs is, let's see how this is called. Hava Nagila. Hava Nagila. Hava Nagila. You heard that song before? So Jen is saying, it's all excited. I know the song. And she says, what's the meaning of it? And, uh, you know, some people don't know what it is. Hava, nagila, hava, nagila. And uh, I, I, I know the song. Every time when the Jewish culture, people get there, that's what they sing. So Janice was like, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. Ask those people. <laughs> Ask those who values the culture. So she went over, leaned over to them and says, what is the meaning of hava, nagila? Surprisingly, because they're now Americans, they have no idea. I mean, you guys sing this every year, and you don't know what it means. It just became a tradition. And uh, so in the meantime, Janice and I looked up in the, you know, Google and found out, you know what it meant? It means, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I went over to this guy and says, that's right from the scripture. Really? Don't you know, you value culture so much. Your culture is deeply rooted in the Bible. And you didn't know that you're singing right from the uh, psalm. Psalm that says, this is the day that the Lord has made. All our children, all those children, they know that song. And then what's this? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's exactly what they're singing. And they were like so shocked and surprised. And then it's, well, only makes sense. That was their response. So our culture have kind of lost the importance of the lineage and the genealogy. Another interesting was about three years ago, I went to visit my father's birthplace. It's called Gechang. You, you don't need to know the name. It's somewhere between Seoul and, and, and Busan. That's where he was born. And so I have never really been there, uh, except once I visited him, even before, when he was alive more than a decade ago. So I wanted to go visit and, and, and just get to know the, the, the people with the last name Haas. And one time they said there are hundreds of a family uh, household with the last name Haas in there. So I wanted to go visit. They, they said they have, still have about 40 households still there from, from generation to generation. They're still there. And they gave me that three books that you see on the screen. I said, what is this? It has, it is, it, 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 it records all about your lineage. I said, really? I have a lineage? I have a, a connection? Yes, you do. Oh, how far does it go back? They start opening the book. It says 600 years. 
for 600 years, every single family name, not family as in last name, the members of the family, from the first name to all the way to 600 is without a single missing person is recorded in the book. I was completely shocked. And all of a sudden I became, whoa, I got 600 years of history. I bet no average American can uh, compete with that. And um, uh, even one of the books, three books, had a full record of every name just printed in fine prints that you see the first underneath it. It has a pictures of all this special uh, memory center or memories or uh, the tombs of all this, uh, the people for 600 years. They actually took a picture of every single one, not every, a lot of them, and compiled it. And surprisingly, when I got to my family, my name was there. But because I was born there, but Juliana, Christina, <laughs> they were born here. There's an American citizen. That's where my family generation stopped. Is how do I get back in there? It says you can't unless you declare American citizenship and join them and re-register. Well, I was uh, shocked and surprised that I have 600 years of well-documented lineage showing every member of the family from that time on. It's totally, totally amazing. But as soon as I thought about that, what was so amazing is about our Lord Jesus his lineage. What is amazing is that the lineage of Jesus can be traced back 4,000 years. From Adam to Abraham is about 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus' birth is another 2,000 years. His genealogy is well recorded right in here, all the way back to the first man, that's Adam. And this fact is so, so important. It is extremely important for us as Christians in declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Therefore, we are calling it Messianic prophecy. What was foretold in the Old Testament as to what is going to happen several thousand years ago, New Testament just fulfills it. It re-records it exactly how that happened. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. And that's what we are going to study. Now, amazing thing about Messianic prophecy, why the foretelling of all that is in the Bible? Because from the very beginning, when we messed up our life, well, not we, yeah, kind of we, our lineage, Adam and Eve, they messed up our life, God immediately, or basically on the same day, he gave us a hope, hope for Messiah. Wow, where did you find that? It's in the Bible. I'm not making it up, guys. Adam's sin, yes, brought judgment and death to us. But right there and then, 
Savior was promised. From the get-go, God told serpent, the snake, the sneaky, deceiving snake, what is today equivalent to the Satan that we have to face each and every day. God told the serpent, because you have deceived the woman in Genesis 3.15, which is pretty much from the beginning, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Well, that sounds like just between serpent and woman. No, read on. And between your offspring and her offspring. You devil, you will continue to go on with your life. And I'll make sure that this woman that you have deceived, she's going to go on with her life. She will produce better children. Her offspring, this offspring represents the mankind. That means it's all of us. And the next line on the Genesis 3.15 says, all of a sudden he says, he will strike your head. And you will continue to strike his heel. Not woman's heel, but his heel. The scripture predicts the perpetual hostility between Satan and us, the woman, which represents all of us. And who is he? It's the offspring. The continuation offspring is the one who is to come, is the one who is going to crush the devil's head and free us from the sin and declare victory. Yeah, you, the Satan, you will continue to survive. You will continue to strike not only woman's heel, but his heel. That's Christ's heel, which he did. He strike his heel by betraying him, by inflicting the suffering and causing Christ to die on the cross. You may strike the heel, but I'm going to make sure he will crush your head to give ultimate victory. One of the interesting notes that I have uh, observed while I was studying about this, one of the commentaries says this. The fact that he is called woman's offspring, a seed, may contain a suggestion, it's just a suggestion that Christ will be born through virgin woman because it's woman's offspring. It was not a Adam's so-called offspring. It's woman's offspring. That was kind of interesting perspective that I've observed. Now, going back to the importance of the lineage, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, for it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The last Adam is Christ himself. The first man was the dust of the earth, the Adam, the second man from heaven, Christ Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians. So the lineage of Jesus goes all the way back 
to Adam. And just as Adam was created in God's image, and how did God create Adam in his image? How did God breathe life into this thing called clay that he carved out? God says he breathed what? His spirit into Adam's nostril to give a life. 4,000 years later, how did God conceive Jesus? God also breathed his spirit into Mary, causing immaculate conception. Isn't that just amazing? From the time of beginning, Adam, to all the way to the Jesus, everything is documented, everything's been foretold, and in the New Testament, everything comes to its fruition. It actually happens. So, in the biblical sense, being able to relate to our Lord Jesus Christ through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is extremely important because Adam was given life through his spirit. And Jesus was conceived through his spirit in Mary. So the lineage of Jesus goes back to the beginning of time Adam being uh, first uh, life, and the last man, Jesus, was also given birth through the Spirit. So remember the important Spirit, because that will be the concluding remark a little later on. So now that we got the beginning and the end, or squared away, as part of lineage, that is a very important part of lineage. Now let's look at the lineage of a messianic prophecy in between, between Adam and Jesus, which could be explained as the true bloodline that you and I would understand. Here's the lineage from God to Adam, to Abraham, Jacob, David, all the way taking 13 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile of Babylon, and another 14 generations from the exile to the Christ. So that's what we will look at. The Bible is full of it. You can study for days, but we just pick a few things to give you that strengthening your faith, to the encouragement, to give you comfort. Yes, our Christ is truly Son of God, that he has the power to help you during your struggles. He has to have the power to, to, to crush your Satan, your devil, your whatever it is may be when, the, when they strike you because God, our Jesus, will be to destroy them all, that he has the power to crush the head of it. So from Abraham... God's speaking to this to Abraham, okay? This is God speaking to Abraham. Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you. 
speaking to Abraham. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. That's who we are. All the people. All the people on earth will be blessed through Abraham. Because we believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Abraham. Genesis 22, 18. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed. This was spoken 2,000 years before Christ. Fulfillment. That it happened. Matthew 1. The record of a genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So the point here is, it is so clearly defined, it was foretold what's always going to happen and actually happen in the New Testament, the fulfillment, recording Christ Jesus was truly the son of Abraham. Romans 9, 5, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and the Christ himself was Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned, and he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. He is also a descendant of Isaac and descendant of Jacob. Of course, there are many, many in between, just picking up the names that you are familiar with, such as Isaac and Jacob. Messianic prophecy in Genesis 17, 19 says, Then God said, Yes, you, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendant after him. Number 24, a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Scepter being royal family, the king's family. This messianic prophecy was foretold 2,000 years ago. Now, 2,000 years before Christ, which would be 4,000 years ago. So Luke 3.34, son of Jacob. The son of Isaac, the son of Abram, is once again repeated. Matthew 1, 2. Abram was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. It also uh, foretells the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Genesis forty nine ten. Judah will hold the royal scepter. And his descendants will always rule. Nations will bring him tribute and bow and bow in obedience before him. That was foretold, spoken through prophet 1800 before Christ. Fulfillment, Hebrews 4, 17, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. Messiah will be heir to King David's throne. It was foretold 1,050 years before Christ and also 700 B.C. This is God speaking to Samuel about Christ Jesus. Second Samuel 7, 12. Whenever, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, you know what that means, right? When you, when you die, <laughs> another way, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from 
your own body, body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. This is the uh, verse that we will be singing and be hearing so much during next month or so, just before the Christmas. For us, a child is born. <clears throat> to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. How did it fulfilled in the New Testament Luke 132 he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever his kingdom will never end his kingdom referring to the eternal life that he will grant us through his grace now just as I was Finishing up uh, my preparation for this message uh, yesterday, I was um, asking God, "Is you know, God, this is like a little. It's hard to like preach on this subject, messianic prophecy. It's more like it's more like uh, academic. Uh, and uh, so, how do I just prepare this or deliver this messianic prophecy?" To encourage church. How can I use it to give strengthening or comfort and encouragement to the church with this messianic prophecy? That's when I got a call from someone who needs encouragement and comfort and strengthening. And his voice told me he was a little discouraged. And when he asked the question, it surely was a question of discouragement. He asked me, like, Pastor, do you ever get negative thoughts? So I was a little, beginning to be a little bit worried. Exactly don't know what he means by negative thoughts. So I said, of course. Just about everybody go through this experience of having negative thoughts, discouragement, disappointments, sadness, everything. Or sometimes just wanting to give up life or give up or quit. But because we get struck by Satan, by serpent, at the heel all the time. We get struck by the Satan all the time, every day. But the difference is this. I will not dwell on it. When you are struck at the heel, it's easy for us to be discouraged, disappointed, and have lingering of that negative thoughts. But the question for you is, how long should we dwell on it? One minute? One hour? One day? One week? One month? One year? Ten years, I told him, I do not dwell on it. Because from the beginning, 
God gave us hope. What Adam and Eve did brought us judgment and death. And God says that devil is going to continue to live within us. It will continue to bite us. It will continue to strike at our heel. But the promise that our Lord gave us was that he will crush the head of that Satan, the trouble, the misery. He will overcome it for us. Why? Because we are all his children. In other words, we are all part of his lineage. Well, how do you mean that we're part of his lineage? That's where the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes in. Adam and, and, and Adam were conceived or was brought to life with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the lineage. And the moment we accept our Christ, we become part of his lineage. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, may have 4,000 years of lineage. Adam to Abraham, 2,000. Abraham to his time, 2,000, 2,000, four times. You know what? We got 6,000 years of lineage. All of us here, the moment you accept Christ, we have 6,000 years of lineage. That's something... It means something. It matters. It matters because when we are in trouble, when we, are, when, we are, when we feel that we've been betrayed, when we are inflicted with some sufferings, when we are bitten, we're uh, struck at the he heels, because we are in his lineage, our God, our Christ, is going to take care of his children. That's what he does. I don't no longer boast about the fact that I have a 600 years of a documented lineage back in Korea somewhere. That's not important anymore. I got not 600 years, I got 6,000 years of lineage. That to every single one of you is sitting here. Let me explain one more time. Adam was brought to life with the power of the Holy Spirit. God breathed his spirit into his nostril. That, 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 that form, that cold clay became warm and became a living being. Holy Spirit. That's something more powerful, more sticky than blood. Human blood. And Jesus was also conceived in Mary's womb by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's lineage. And we are exactly the same. We fit right in. We are like the third time where the Holy Spirit has engaged us in, in calling us his 
children, that we become part of that lineage, part of that genealogy. Romans 8.14 says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. By the way, that includes ladies too. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So church, be encouraged, be comforted, be strengthened in your faith that you are not nobody. You are somebody with the 6,000 years of lineage behind you. In John, 1 John 3, 1, how great is love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are in his lineage with 6,000 years of history behind. We are truly in his royal family. And encouragement to you is the challenges that we face is why Jesus will take care of us, protect us, because we are his children. And the what he promised God, what he promised, that I will strike the head of the Satan. And he will continue to do so as you continue to rely and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much.